Well, after dramatic moves in markets after the US CPI hits the tape, resulting in a surge of volatility and pushback from the Bank of Japan, we are seeing some calmness as we go into the options expiry. But with the Fed meeting next week and the Bank of England meeting next week, is this the karma before the storm? That's what Blake and I are discussing in the trade-off. Well, hi, my name is Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And you can see here, we've got an action-packed show once again as we go through markets and look at the setups, uh, the various news flows that are on our mind, and we assess the risks and the trade-off that's coming through in the market. So I'm going to bring the great man into the program, Mr. Blake Morrow. How on earth are you today? I'm doing great, Chris. Good to see you, my man. Yeah, it's a good time, and it's a good time. We've got a lot to focus on. As we go into into the week ahead, obviously, I want to talk about last week because we, we in, the, in the show last week we were sort of peddling this idea that we that there was a high probability um, of uh, a bit of a tactical sell off potentially coming through in the U.S. dollar and that that could lift um, yeah, equity markets further. Obviously, the CPI number changed that. So. For me, what is really important here uh, is the ability to react. Now, we knew that there was a CPI number coming up. We knew that it had the potential to throw massive volatility. We looked at the playbook and the distribution of outcomes that could come through. And we said, well, you know, we need a weak number. We need a seven handle really on the on the headline CPI number. And that would you know, validate this kind of positive move we've been seeing. Didn't happen. It teaches me, it tells me time and time again, when you get something that's so significant to the market, so significant to the Fed, yeah, these are the sort of moves that you just yeah, potentially want to look at reducing your exposure on. What did you learn from that? Well, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, a lot of times I go into a news event, a big news event like this, and I went, and I don't do this often, Chris, I went neutral, all cash. Usually, and usually I always have something running, but I went all cash. And that is a not normal for me because a lot of times after news you get the FOMO, you get the you know the regret of not being in it, or you know I'm I'm in this trade and I should have gotten out, and uh, you know why didn't I just take profits when I had them? And I and I actually did, for, you know, went by the playbook, pulled everything off, and then reacted afterwards. And I think that showed and it proved to me. Because I would have given back everything. I would have given back everything I made over the last week and a half, really, in that one, you know, 15, 10 minute uh, block of time right after the CPI release. So it, it just it just told me that, hey, you know, we we even even if the market's leaning into something, it's not guaranteed that it, that we're going to get the result that we're looking for. And that was a case in point. Well, they call you Mr. Yen now, uh, but they always call you the man who's always in the market. That's obviously changed. He's the neutral guy now. So uh yeah, anyway, so Mr. Yen's in the house. We're going to be talking about the Yen in a second. Anyway, let's go into Topical Funder uh, and see what's going on in the headline news. Blake, uh, yeah, one of the things we did talk about, we talked about CPI just then, but one of the things that came out after that uh, was the idea that, that, that the Federal Reserve could go 100 basis points. You know, sticky inflation. We talk about inflation in a second in a subject very close to your heart, um, but we, we obviously, we're looking at... Um, the Wall Street Journal now, Nick Tamaraeus, uh, you know, the idea that we were in a blackout period now. There's no more Fed members who are going to be speaking up until next week's Fed meeting. So it's really down to him as the mouthpiece of, of, of the Fed effectively. He came out with an article recently that said the Fed were going to raise by at least 100, uh, by, by, by at least 75 basis points. 
the markets, if you put it now, have uh, are running about a 25% uh, chance of 100 basis points. So they are opening the door for 100 basis points. The default position is still that we're going to get a 75 basis point hike next week. Um, but yeah, Nick Tamaras, we've got our eyes on his, his Twitter feed, any kind of articles yeah. coming out that, just to see if he does say... You know, it's more likely to be that because then the market would obviously discount that. You're going to see the terminal rate moving up, which we can talk about in a second. The dollar's going to rally. The equity market will take another leg lower probably from that point. But that's what we're debating here. So knowing what we know now, we're after that CPI number that we saw, and we can talk about in a second, are you in the 75 basis point camp? Are you in the 100 basis point camp? Yeah, what's, what's your view there? 75 All and right. very unscientific. So just put, let me just make sure I throw that one out there. <laughs> no, and, and 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 here's here's the reason why you know, and we're we're going to talk about inflation here in a moment, but uh, really the the number was skewed by rents, and uh, and I and I do happen to live in uh, uh, one of the hottest real estate markets in the United States, and I know rents are actually starting to come down here, and so I think it is a, a lag lagging indicator. So. I do, and again, I don't want to get in the in the in the uh, inflation uh, conversation just yet because that's coming up next. However, I will say that I don't think the Fed's actually going to. I don't think the Fed's going to uh, to 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 uh, move by a full percent. And here's the other reason why. He Nick is also known as the Fed whisperer, uh, Chris. And so if he's out there talking about it, and we don't get it, and we only get a seventy-five basis point hike. The market's going to celebrate that. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, isn't that crazy? I know we said that last week, but it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. I know. But this is the thing, right? So if you go out to people who are new to trading, and this is the conundrum, right? So you, you go out, we get a 75 base, look, scenarios, think hypotheticals here. We yeah. get a 75 basis point hike uh, from the Federal Reserve. The day after that, we get the Bank of England coming out, and they raise by 50 basis points. And the pound just goes, whoosh, right? You know, or, or you know, just goes completely nuts. It's about understanding what's being priced in. So we're pricing yeah. in an element of 100 basis points. The Fed goes 75. You know, the dollar effectively sells off in that situation, right? The Bank of England only go 50 basis points when the market's pricing in a chance of a 75 basis points. Obviously, the pound falls in that situation. So in this 24-hour window... You could see some major moves, and everyone's going to be saying, hang on, they've raised by 75 basis points, but the dollar's sold off. Why? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really about what's being priced in. So you've got to understand what's being priced in. And actually, for me, what's more important is what the market price yeah, is and, at and the terminal the, rate. It, it re and we're going we're gonna to get to that point in just a minute. And I'll, and I'll tell you, Chris, um, I love FX. And FX is pl the place to be. We talked about it at the beginning of this year. This is the market you want to be in. And we're talking about it. We're in it. We're we're trading it. And that's I'm I'm glad to be here. And I hope you guys are too. So uh, let's talk about inflation. And I gotta I gotta ask the question, Chris. I mean, everybody was calling the top of an inflation. I mean, the market was leaning into it. If you if you if you sit back and frustrations. Oh my gosh! I mean, everybody's like, "What do you mean? You know, equi U.S. equity markets are down four percent. You know, Nasdaq was down five percent." Why? Why? And it was really just positioning. Everybody was thinking that the top was in for inflation. Everybody's trading into it. And I'm we were go, we were we were in that mantra. We were talking about the top might be in for the dollar. And we were there. And what happened 
you know, we got this really hot August print and I, I got to ask, is the top in? I mean, because now, because the rents was a big number. Uh, it was also um, uh, uh, some, some food items, you know, groceries, but you know, we have crude that's come down and, and price at the pump has really come down. So I gotta, I gotta ask you, do you think the top is in for inflation now, Chris, or <laughs> are we, are we still going to have months ahead of pain as consumers globally? Oh, it just feels anyone just making that call has been burnt so many times, but I don't think you're going to see a huge amount of upside from here, to be honest. And, you know, we were, we were really focused on, on what was going on in headline inflation, but it turned out that the one measure that we really want to look at is the sticky prices, the core inflation reads, which was about 40 basis points about where the market was looking for. You make a really good point that it was really the sort of shelter components and the owner equivalent rents that really sort of drove that. Um, you know, rents were up. Medical like, costs. Yeah, well, rents were up 70 yeah. basis points month on month. So that sort of drove the, uh, the, the moving core. Um, so like, I just don't think, you know, the, the, the concern that we had was that the market was just saying that we need to see the peak inflation narrative play out in this print. We didn't see it. And there was a lot of frustrations. People had to unwind positions. Yeah, the market went down and you've got a lot of optionality that goes through the market. Suddenly, you know, dealers were short gamma. You know, they were having to hedge by selling futures uh, ahead of OPEC, OPEX this week, yeah, this uh, to, on Friday. And it was just a lot of positioning that unwound. We saw volatility kick up. The volatility targeting funds were dumping positioning left, right, and centre. It was it was just a bloodbath coming through. That positioning was just a, it was just got an exercise in understanding flow. But I think there was just at the heart of it was this frustration that people were positioned for a peak inflation narrative and it didn't come. And the the core number actually was going the opposite way. So I think what's really interesting here is that the Fred the, the Fed, um, in some people's eyes, would say have increased the capabilities or, or increased the, the possibility that they will raise rates until something breaks now. That they will yeah. not just raise rates and cause a recession, a shallow recession, but they will actively welcome a recession. That's what probably changed in the market's eyes, I think, based on what we saw from core inflation. So there was a psychological change that I think still needs to play out in markets. I think one one of the other things that we take a switch for focus was that we did obviously see the dollar fo- dollar rally, and and you know there's no better place to to hedge yourself um, than you know in 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 the dollar. So we're talking about the Bank of Japan because really, yeah, the Bank of Japan, you know, they stepped it up yesterday. Their Bank of Japan really really stepped it up, um, and you know the dollar was the place to be. You know you had to be in dollars. XC market drawdown buy dollars because it's the best hedge you can have against drawdown. It's got the most inverse correlation against equity markets. So equity up, buy dollars, and it's sort of self-perpetuating loop. But of course, we saw dollar yen pretty much touch 145. The Bank of Japan, you saw the finance minister coming out. You saw um, you know, the key currency member of the Bank of Japan talking about intervention. You know, this idea of checking rates came through on the wires and everyone went, whoa, this is really it. This has preceded intervention before. They are calling up the banks and saying, give us your bid on you know, dollar yen at the moment, you know, what are you good in in size? And everyone said, this is it. We've got to get out of our you know, yen shorts in, in, in this situation now because they are really meaning business. Um, does it mean business for, for Mr. Morrow, Mr. Yen? Um, or is this a buying opportunity in uh, in the yen crosses here? Well, it, no, uh, it mean, I, I, I believe it means business because you got to you got to go back to, you know, it, this harkens back to the 90s. You know, when you talk about getting you know rates checked by by the, the BOJ, the MOF. And when you have Suzuki out there, you know, checking rates, they're meaning business right now, Chris. And, and this could really 
shift the gears, in my opinion. <laughs> is that a pun? Because is, you, that, is that a pun? Suzuki. It is, anyway, it, it sorry, is a mate, pun. Yeah. Um, but it could shift gears here. The reason why I say that is because the yen has not been correlated with risk at all. No. For you know this, the, and, and, and for good reason to. It's too. It's been driven by the bond market, so it's just a yeah, it's just a bond proxy, right? Yeah, so. it's just yields go up, and I mean, look, you got thirty-year yields that are touching trend highs. I mean, you got the ten-year yield doing the same thing. Yeah, well, of course, you just buy the dollar yen, but this might actually shift the narrative where the yen becomes more of the risk-off uh, 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 proxy, and and where the dollar and the yen start to share some of those, uh, you know, some of those traits. Like they have in the past, because people now start to get worried. Well, maybe I won't. I won't be buying, you know, all dollars. Maybe I need to be a little careful with owning dollars up at these levels. Maybe I'll just buy the yen because I've got the BOJ and the MOF holding my back. So that's kind of my thoughts, and yeah. I'm glad I'm I'm actually buying and getting reckon, long yen at these levels. They've, they've stepped it up. I still think we're away from intervention, personally. But what they've done is they've gone out to they've gone out to the street and said, you know, you want to hold a big yen short position? Think twice about that right now because you know what? If we come out and we start buying yen, we start selling our, our, our reserves, you know, you're going to see a 400 point move off the bat to the downside. And do you want to be involved in that because there's going to be some massive slippage if you are? So what they've done is they've caused a massive element of doubt in people, hedge funds especially, who have been shorting the yen for for carry purposes. Volatility adjusted carry has been the strategy du jour. Everyone loves that right now. It's been the best performing strategy and the yen's been right at the heart of that. They have just really gone out to the street and said, you want to be involved in that, that vol adjusted carry trade? Think twice about that. And that's really, they planted a seed of doubt. And I think that's going to ward off a few people. So yeah, well done to them. But I, I, I still think there's going to be people looking to buy dips for now. You know, I, that will... <laughs> Let's talk about buying dips, but let's talk about different markets. Let's talk. Right, yeah. Great segue, Chris. Yeah, it was. You're good. Man. You're really good. You're really good. Uh, I'm going to talk about risk markets, and I don't want to talk necessarily all about the S&P. I mean, I want to talk about all other markets. If you remember two weeks ago, Chris, uh, I, I, I kind of built the case about you know how the markets might stall at the 200-day moving average, but it's not just the S&P. It was the, the NASDAQ, the DAX. We looked at the CAC 40 or we talked about it. We talked about all the other markets. So I want to talk about the markets broadly because we have seen that correction and we are going into, you know, a kind of a tricky area or tricky time in the markets. You know, seasonally, you want to be buying, you know, usually risk, you know, sometime in November. But this fall, you know, it's like, do you buy... Like if I had to ask you, you know, where's the next, where's the next ten percent move? Is it higher or lower from here? That's the debate, and it's not necessarily directed all at the S and P. It could be, you know, at the DAX or the CAC, whatever risk assets you want. But we have rates going up globally, right? We have inflation that's going to run. You know, where everybody's bracing for a very, very tough winter, especially in Europe. And, uh, you know, we still have a conflict happening in, in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, everybody's got their rate expectations going up globally. But how about, you know, if, if economic data starts to, to weaken, we start to see employment data worsen globally. Is that going to be a trigger for like rhetoric to, to ease off from I, all these central bankers? I mean, the so this. it's kind of tricky here. What do you think? I think the Fed wants the recession now. I mean, they need to do something. Something's going to break further down the line. They're going to raise rates, and they've seen that with inflation. If you if you put a, a Morrow um, 
metaphorical gun to the gun to my head and um, yeah, it said 10% upside, 10% downside. What's the most likely scenario? I'll say downside right now. Um, why? Because, you know, as I talked about there, I think the Fed, um, you know, actually will welcome certain softness in, in, in you know, the labour market. I think they're going to yeah, cause something to potentially break. Um, and I think, you know, your reserves are about to fall quite precipitously as, as, as balance sheet reduction comes through. And, you know, markets have been very well correlated to that. So I think, yeah, for me, tactically, yeah, there's probably more likely we're going to get downside than we're going to get upside. Um, but I've got an open mind and I'll react to that. That's my hedge against that scenario. But that's where I think it is. Um, well, so they're trying to engineer tighter fiscal conditions or, excuse me, tighter financial conditions. Right. And one of the levers is the equity markets, right? Risk. The concern you've got as well is the dollar, right? So as the dollar strengthens, you know, it has this kind of effect into global central bank balance sheets. So as the dollar goes up, central bank balance sheets fall and effectively that tightens financial conditions and it impacts emerging markets quite negatively as well because the dollar liabilities. So I think we're at the centre of this. It's not just real rates and terminal rates, but it's the dollar. So if the dollar rallies, you know, nicely from here through, you know, into 115 on the, on the Dixie, then yeah, I think risk goes down. So that's probably the, 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 the one of the aspects that I think everyone should have as a, as a central central focus is what's happening with the dollar. So liquidity is coming down. We know that. But yeah, I'm not saying we can't we can't rally 10%. I just I, I, I just think if you're going to say which one is more likely, it's probably downside. Interesting. Put a comment in the comments field. I know a lot of people have probably share my views. A lot of people would disagree. Put a comment in the comment field. Let us know what you think in terms of uh, where you see the most likely scenario. I'd love to hear what you've got uh, got to say. Anyway, let's go to that's a setup to see what's uh, what are the setups that were on our mind at the moment. Blake, school's back. I'm going to give you a, a, a tidbit that I like to use. Um, we're going into the trading view charts at the moment. What I think is really important for the dollar, for equity markets, is what we call the terminal rate. The terminal rate is the highest point in the Fed funds future. Um, that the market is betting that the Fed will get to in terms of their, their into their into their interest rate setting going forward, and uh, what I've actually done is I've taken the, the the April contract, which is actually the highest point, it's the highest yield um, that we have, and and the, the the equation that you can go into into TradingView is to type in a hundred minus uh, J uh, ZQ. J 2023. So that's, you can see in the top left there, that is, you know, uh, Fed funds trade at a discount, the price trades at a discount to par. So effectively, you're taking away. And that what that will do is give you the yield um, for that. So this is effectively the expected interest rate that the Fed will have through this period. That's, that's the situation. So what you're doing in a nutshell, in layman's terms, is, is if by using that equation, you can see what is the highest point, what is the market expecting at the highest point, and that's the April contract. So we're pricing now that the Fed funds rate will get to 4.38 or nearly 4.4% by April next year. As that's going up, as as as, selling, as interest rate expectations are going up for that period, you can see I've, I've overlapped that against dollar yen, and you can see there's a pretty good relationship for it. So as the terminal rate's going up, the dollar's strengthening, equity markets are going down, this is one of the most important charts in macro. It's not about what's being priced necessary for the September Fed meeting. It's what's being priced at its most uh, at the peak. It's what we call the terminal rate, and so that is the chart that I use to do. Um, and you can see the dollar's correlated to it. So if we go up to about four fifty, the dollar's going higher. So that's what I look at, Blake. Uh, any thoughts on that one? 
I, well, first of all, I think l- listening here to the trade-off, you learn something new every session, and I'm learning something new from you, Chris. So I appreciate that, and I'm sure if you all are appreciating it, make sure you give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on YouTube, and give Chris a thumbs up for this. Um, you know, and and you try to think about how we get to the terminal rate at 4.3 percent, or maybe even 5.5 percent if it continues higher. Whew. You know, 75, 75, 75 gets us not even there. Whew. A world with uh, right? f- over five percent Fed funds being priced in is a world where dollar yen is is probably trading well above one fifty, in my opinion. Where euro dollars trading into ninety five cents, cables trading into you know into one ten. So yeah, that that to me that this terminal rate, you know, get it up on your charts because you know if that we all keep saying it's priced in, it's priced in, priced in, and it, as you can see there from the candles, it keeps going up. So the terminal rate for me is is really important. Awesome. Well, you know, we, we wouldn't have a good show if we didn't look at the S&P. So let's take a look yeah. at the S&P, Chris. And this is how I'm looking at it. Um, first of, first and foremost, we have a descending channel. You guys know that uh, I've been looking at a head and shoulder pattern. I didn't draw it up on this chart because um, this is an actual pepperstone chart. Uh, so I, I actually left it alone. But that head and shoulder actually points towards 3,400, 3,500, depending on how you draw it. But the question is, how do we get there and what's going to tell me we're on our way there? Well, we are holding channel resistance. We held the 200-day moving average. If you look at the lows that were posted back in June, June, mid-June to the high we had in mid-August, so that 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 two-month rally that you saw, the 618 or the golden fib level comes in right at 3900. That is basically the lows that we were probing at last week, but we held. So what I'm going to be looking for is if that trend line, that ascending trend line that connects the lows and that 618 retracement right around 3,900, we close below that, Chris. I think we are going to see lower levels going into the fall. Now, I'll be looking at to play it in two ways. I'm going to be playing it on the short side as far as risk goes. And then I'm going to be looking to play it long towards the lower end of that channel going into the fall. So how do you think and what do you think of this chart, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've, 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 I'm looking at the, the signs of what's going to make it lo- go go lower. For me, it's reserves, it's it's liquidity, um, and as the Fed balance sheet falls, the reserves on the liability side will fall. It makes a it makes a mockery of the fact that markets live in the future when we're so correlated to something that's happening here and now, and only comes out once a week, which is the the reserves the, the balance sheet effect. But if we if we break this uh, this this these you know this trend support, then yeah, I think it yeah I know what's going to cause us to go lower. I don't know whenever it's actually going to happen, but if the market starts to warm to that, then yeah, I think it will just really increase my conviction that, that to, to trade this on the short side for a move down to the June lows. So yeah, I think that 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 trend's probably going to get quite a lot of look at the retracement level that you talked about may get a quite a lot of look at. But if this starts going down. Yeah, you know, post op- op- options expire this week, uh, this Friday. Yeah, you know, a lot of that gamma will roll off, um, and that maybe leads us to a clean structure, and that's usually quite positive. Um, but the yeah, the fo- the price is effectively the final arbiter of truth, right? So if it's going down, um, and we know what's causing it, yeah, you know, I'm going to be trading this from the short side with higher conviction. Another chart. Let's go to gold because yeah, gold's from something similar. If reserves are coming down from the Fed's balance sheet, um, yeah, generally the dollar is going to be going up. We're probably likely to see real rates moving up, and one that is probably well correlated and, and will move on the same reasons as the S&P is the gold market there. Um, you can see we've got a, a bear flag pretty much in, in play. It hasn't broken that, that channel support, but it needs to do so. Um, and then we've got those those lows that we've been seeing really since 2000 and 
and 21. I mean, if we could take that chart out and have a look at it on a weekly basis, you'd probably see it better. But 1678 uh, is your line in the sand. 1678, 1680 is your line in the sand there. If we break through this bear, bear um, through this this bear flag, then obviously that that increases um, sort of the weight of cap capital and the the conviction that we're going lower. If we break through that 1678, good night Vienna. We're trading to the bottom end of the channel. Uh, it's going to be working on the same formatics as the S&P, in my opinion. So, yeah, similar situation. Poor liquidity. Crypto may actually work better to the downside. We'll have to see that one happens. Um, but, yeah, all the same formatics driving. Liquidity, dollar, real rates. Blake. You know, I first got my securities license, my Series 7, in 1995. First time I sat down at a trading desk was in 1996, November of 96, actually. Um, in my career, Chris... I've always known gold to be an inflation hedge. So I don't know in what world I, you know, I would never have thought here we are in 2022, we have inflation running what it's running right now, not only in the US, but globally. And you have crude or uh, excuse me, gold that looks like we're about ready to break a multi-year low. Uh, it's crazy to me, but I, and I don't know what positioning's like in gold, but that is a bearish wedge. And if we crack that 1678 level, Good night. I'm with you. You know, that gold's going to be trading down towards the 1500. I yeah. think it's going to have a 1500 handle. And I can't believe it. I still look at it and I still scratch my head almost every well, day that I look at inflation gold. But expectations, it is what it is. Inflation expectations are running pretty sideways. Bond yields, nominal bond yields are going up. So real rates are going, are going up quite sharply. And that's just killing off the dollar, uh, killing off the gold market. Everyone's saying gold's a recession hedge. Well, we're probably likely. Maybe maybe it works when we see clear signs that the US is going to go into into proper recession. We'll see. But right now, there's an opportunity cost, and 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 for me, the most important thing remains reserves and liquidity, and that's 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 hurting gold at the moment. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'm I'm to be frank, I'm I'm surprised we're not trading a little bit lower uh, here as we're filming. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at uh, now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you over to wheat, and let me first of all say that I've never traded wheat before, Chris. But I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you, and I'm doing this for you and and the viewers here at at the trade off. Well, if you're Mr. Yen, if <laughs> but, you're Mr. Yen, I'm happy to be coined uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Exotic. I'm happy to go. That you way. could be Mr. Exotic. I like Mr. Exotic. That could be your name. But what I'm looking at is this nice rounded bottom that wheat is uh, wheat is formed, and when we start getting towards the you know, resistance, which I would say is around the 200 day moving average. What I start looking at is the daily sentiment index. And I, and that's something that, that uh, our, our company subscribes to. I look at it every day and I, and I see it and it's only running at 60 tonight. I lost, I checked the last reading. It's at 60. It's nowhere near extremes, which means it could actually take off. And when you see a rounded bottom like this, and this, this uh, accumulation that we're seeing in wheat, that tells me that we're probably getting close to taking off. And I, I think above 900, then you look for a break at the 200-day moving average, then you might get an accelerated move higher. What do you think about Crete, uh, wheat and this this rounded bottom that we see here, Chris? Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. And um, you know, as I talked about before, you know, we talked about this on Player of the Day. It didn't really work out at the time. Um, you know, it, The propensity to trend is what you want. Um, but don't fight the trend. Go along for the trend because when this trends, as you can see in that move that happened between sort of May and August, yeah, these can trend really well. So what you might do is you get a lot of full starts where you're going to get stopped out uh, for hopefully very small losses. But when it goes, you're holding. Adopt adopt a, a systematic approach. 
you know, ever, whether it's using a, a, a moving average system, a crossover, threes and eights, for example, or whatever you're using, use a, a systematic strategy because if this goes, you want to be in the trade. Um, and yeah, you might get cut out, but yeah, when this goes, just stay in and, and let the system just ride it up there because the, the propensity to trade a uh, trend in wheat is very strong um, and that's what you want to be involved with. Don't get out because your emotions are telling you, let the system do the thing. So adapt a systematic approach to trading wheat um, and if this is to go based on the pattern that you've got, stay in it and uh, enjoy the ride, I think is probably the best way to look at that. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Let's see, what's, uh, see what we're thinking about in terms of the, uh, the primary trades here. Blake, I want, to take, I want to take some inspiration from your wheat idea and look at something which also has a propensity to trend, something with a bit of momentum. So I want to have a look at a dollar, than, a dollar against the, the Norwegian crown. Now, you can see here that we've seen a massive candle after the CPI number. We saw a bit of, a, a bit of indecision in the follow-up. You can see that sort of oh, doji coming through. It tried to take a new high. Market said, no, not, no, not so sure. Um, I want to put a stop loss. You can see there just on the horizontal line. I think it's a 9.88 or so. Um, and really, I think yeah, if this is going to go, we're going to see a continuation of the move we saw from from mid August. Obviously, going into the Fed meeting, we do know that there's uh, you know there's quite a lot being priced for the for, for the meeting next week. But if we are going to see a sell off in risk, you know this 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 uptrend that you pulled out with the S and P, the highest beta FX pair in G10 is dollar knock, and you will see a bigger move in the Norwegian crown relative to any other currency if we see another risk off situation. So if you're bullish, I wouldn't be touching this trade at all. But if you, if you do believe that we're going to see a break of that downtrend on the S&P, um, then, then there is probably nowhere else better in G10 to be than the Norwegian crown. You are going to see a bigger sell-off coming through there. And so I think if this kicks up, which I think it looks like it probably will do for me, I think the balance of probability is higher levels. I'm going in for this. In a similar situation as you saw from wheat, I think the propensity to start trending here is, is, is very strong. That's a, I, I like the chart, Chris. And I, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell people at home, Google yourself, uh, see how much how much uh, uh, equities the Norges Central Bank owns. You'll be stunned. All right, let's take it over to the Canadian yen. Uh, the Canadian yen is actually my play of the day. And I'm going to just say, for the record, I am short and I'm short near the highs. I'm short above 110. And I'm looking to add, but that's that's key when you're trading an, an, an ad trade is you're looking at it as from the, the, the eyes of somebody who's going to take a fresh brand new trade. So for me, as I'm going to add, that means I'm going to be adding to an already profitable position, but something that I would take even if I wasn't in a position already. So the US or excuse me, the Canadian yen, as I explained to you, I am playing yen to the long side. If you look at the euro yen, pound yen, Aussie yen, New Zealand yen, dollar yen, they're all that we have a lot of false breakouts and reversals. The Canadian yen has not played catch up yet, but I believe it will. So a break back below the 107.20 level, that's going to signal to me that we got a false breakout. A lot of people have been playing this range expansion, double bottom, move to, to, to new highs. We came well short of those targets. Now we're reversing. And so I believe there's going to be a lot of stops below 107.20. Yeah. And that's how I'm looking to take advantage of it, Chris. Yeah, good. I like that as well. Yeah, false, false breakouts. We talk it time and time again on this show. Usually some of the most powerful trades to be involved with if people have to reposition and get out of the trade and perpetuates the move. So great trade. like that one a lot. Um, anyway, thanks to everyone who's been watching the show. Now, if you could hit the like button, we'd love that. We'll leave the comments. We talked about where the S&P is going. But any of the other trades that you thought of, you know, whether it's to do with Fed policy, whether it's to do with um, yeah, gold, uh, yeah, Blake's play of the day, leave your comments. Tell us what you like, and we'll see you more for next week.
in the trade-off. <laughs>